Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to Biltmore Church Online. Hope you've already had a great morning uh, of worship. If we can serve you in any way, just mention that in the chat or the comment, and uh, we'll get back with you real, real soon. All right. And so, uh, as you probably, as you probably noticed, I'm here in the mountains, uh, actually in a valley. And when I'm out here, it reminds me of a lot of these survival shows that have become very, very popular uh, for people to watch nowadays. Some of the Titles are uh, Man vs. Wild, which is obviously Bear Grylls, which it, that's got to be one of the coolest names ever, Bear Grylls. If that was my name, I'd be using that all the time. It's How much cooler is that than Bruce? Maybe Bruce Grylls, but Man vs. Wild, uh, Alone. Uh, there's another one called Out of the Wild, uh, I Shouldn't Be Alive, Life Below Zero, or my personal favorite, uh, Fat Guys in the Woods. It's actually a show. And in that show is basically trying to motivate people to get up off the couch and they're going to go in there. And it's not just how to survive in the woods and survive in the wilderness. The idea is how do we actually uh, thrive uh, in difficult circumstances? And so here's what we're doing. The next 21 days is not just about uh, surviving. It is trying to figure out in this harsh environment, how do we actually thrive? Uh, the hope for the next 21 days is that there would be a point somewhere in the future that we look back and you look back on this 21 days and say, that was when everything changed. When I look back, that season of my life, that is when my marriage took a turn for the better, my prodigal began to listen to God, my health restored, was restored, my finances changed, that we look back and say, that is when it actually changed, where God began to move in my life in ways I hadn't seen him move in a long time, uh, maybe not ever. And so as, as I'm thinking about this and I've been praying about this message, the vast majority of people that I'm talking to right now, you have some significant burdens in your life. You can identify it easy. As soon as I said, man, 21 days, we're going to be going after one thing in your life. That one thing came up. Uh, for some of you, it's marital. You got a marriage that's on the rocks. You got a marriage that's a lot more woe than it is wow. It's one that maybe you were just almost co-partners, just existing, trying to get the kids through school. And you're like, God, would you save my marriage? Others of you, you've got, uh, you've got a prodigal, and that prodigal breaks your heart. You raised them in church. Uh, you prayed for them. They went to Awana. They memorized the verses. You had the devotions. You know Proverbs 22 that says, you know what? Raise up a child in the way that he should go, and in the end, they will not depart from it. But now they're anything but close to God. And your prayer is something like the prodigal father in Luke 15 was like, I pray that my prodigal would come to her senses. Uh, others of you, you got a harmful habit, something that has been really kicking your tail for a long, long time. And you've cried out for help and you've thought, God, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and that's what we're going for in, in this series. Some of you, it's financial. Uh, you're like, you know what? I'm out of a job. I'm out of savings. Uh, COVID has taken a lot of stuff from me. And I still got 10 more years at least until I can even think about retiring. Some of you, it's a health issue. Some of you, it's a relationship. You're like, man, I didn't talk to my mom in 10 years. All right, my sister and I have been estranged for the last five years. What's the one thing? And here's what I want you to do, and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take the one significant thing and pray about it for 21 straight days. For 21 days, you ever done that? Have you ever had one thing that you prayed about every day for 21 days? I'm, not I'm talking about not taking a day off, not taking a day off to worry, not taking a day off to try to fix it because you've already tried to do that. I'm talking about 21 days every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. I'm going to lift this significant thing up and ask God to do something that I obviously cannot do. That's where we're going. I'm going to read you some stories about what happened last year uh, that hopefully will encourage you. But right now, let's get some Let's get some word uh, opened up. Matthew 7 is where we're going to be. Uh, this is going to be the second time in a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talks about prayer. 
And here's what he says. Matthew 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? And then he explains the whole point in the last verse. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? The dominant word in here, it's used in every verse, is the word ask. The word ask there means to beg, to cry out. It means to call upon. It means it's the idea of an inferior asking a superior to please meet a need that they obviously cannot meet. This is uh, intentional. This is fervent. This is uh, saying, you know what? I, I can't make this happen. This is above my pay grade. I've tried to make it happen. I've tried to fix the marriage. I've tried to get off the habit and I cannot do it. I'm asking for your help. And so let's, let's be clear what it's not. This is not platitude praying. Platitude praying, and we've all done it, it's that automatic, repetitive uh, phrasing without thought. A blesses food to the nourishment uh, of our bounty. I mean, what does that even mean? <laughs> what, uh, I think God's up there like, well, what, what did you just say? I mean, you're eating fried butter and a Big Mac, all right? Why don't you, uh, why don't you get a salad? I've built some blessings in there already. Or here's another one. Uh, we pray this all the time. God be with us. I think God, what God's saying is, you know, didn't the gospel guarantee that I would not leave you nor forsake you? Why don't you believe that and then ask me for something else? So again, we're asking God for a significant burden. To It's not the only thing we do. It's the first thing we do. It doesn't mean that you don't, if your marriage is in trouble, doesn't mean you don't get counseling. It means if your health is in trouble, doesn't mean you go, don't go to the doctor. It's, it's the, if, you, if you don't have a job, it doesn't mean you don't put a resume together. It's the first thing that we do. God, I need some help with this. And to be perfectly blunt, most Christians struggle in this area more than any other area. D.A. Carson said, if you want to really embarrass the average Christian, just ask them about their own personal private prayer life. I mean, they might be able to whip out a bunch of different verses. They might be able to tell you about their generosity toward people. But you ask them, how's your personal prayer life going? Most of us would probably say, you know what, what not good. I've made the mistake in the past of thinking it had to just do with self-discipline. We mistakenly think the reason we don't pray is because, you know what, I don't pray because it's kind of like I don't go to the gym or I don't eat right. It's I lack discipline. And here's what God showed me a few years ago. It's not about, it's not as much about self-discipline. Good gospel-centered discipline is obviously important. But the reason we don't pray is not a lack of discipline. It's a lack of desperation. That's the reason we don't pray. Like, how do you know that? Ask, ask, ask the, uh, ask the wife whose husband walked out on her for, a, for a, uh, a, a younger model and he's not paying child support and she's not sure how she's gonna make it. You don't have to talk her into praying. She's praying automatically, God, please help me. Right? Ask the couple who can't have kids. Ask the, uh, ask the couple who just found out that their five-year-old uh, has cancer. All right? Ask them, you don't have to talk them into doing that. It's just desperation, I've got, I've got to do that. Um, the reason we don't pray, again, is we have a sense that we can handle it. And that's why when God sometimes jerks the rug out from under us, the only thing we can do is we then pray. So here's uh, a second reason, if we're just blunt here in church, and that is this, is that we're not sure, we're not sure how effective it is. And the reason is, you can look back and you can think, you know, there's some times I prayed and it didn't happen. And there's some other times I didn't pray 
and it did happen. So, so why, why should I, why should I pray at all? It didn't seem to make that much difference. And, um, you know, if you're really honest, you're like, you know, uh, uh, even with COVID stuff, when this began, you prayed hard and you prayed hard. It didn't seem to make much difference. So you kind of just stopped, you stopped praying. That's how some guys say, you know what? I remember one time it's keep your thoughts and prayers. We need masks and ventilators or uh, famously said by a governor in New York City, God didn't do this, talking about the way the curve was flattened. God didn't do this. Faith and prayer didn't do this. We did this. And so because we don't see immediate answers to our prayers, oftentimes we struggle to get motivated. And the awesome news is in this text, it's like Jesus anticipates we're going to struggle with asking and praying. So let's just kind of get two things down today before we actually pray and start this journey together. The first one I want to put in your mind is just ask, ask continually, ask continually. You're not here. Nobody comes to church for a, for an English lesson or a Greek lesson, but every verb in here, the asking, the, the, uh, the knocking, the seeking, those are in what is called the present imperative, which basically means this is a command that is to be continuous. In other words, continue to ask Always be asking, always be seeking, always be knocking. I mean, think about knocking. If somebody knocks, you know, if they go, if they, if they if you hear one knock, you don't, you think somebody fell out of their bed, you think a bookshelf, book came off the bookshelf. But if somebody's like this, that repetitiveness, you know what? They are knocking. And what's kind of amazing about this is God is actually saying, ask me again. Just ask me again. Keep asking me. That's not typically great parenting advice. Typically great parenting advice is you ask and you take the answer and be a good kid. And I said no, and that means no. Most of us as parents, we have made some terrible mistakes because our kids had beaten us down by their incessant asking of something. We've, you know, you know, the nighttime asking for ice cream before dinner. Finally, it's like, sure, get that. Not a great decision. The kid just beat us down. You think, I think about growing up. I mean, in most homes, there's usually one who you can talk into it. Me growing up, my mom, we could talk. When she said no, that was translated by us. It's time for negotiation because we thought we could actually talk her into this. My dad, on the other hand, if he said no and we tried to talk him into it, it was almost a threat. He's like, ask me again. Ask me again. Now, ask me again does not actually mean ask me again. Ask me again means I dare you to ask me again. You ask me again, it has negative connotation. I obviously got his DNA because in my house with my boys growing up and I said no, and they continued to ask, I'd finally go, ask me again. What I'm telling them is stop asking. It's not going to go well with you. And I didn't even know this till this week. Every parable that Jesus taught about prayer, it always has him imploring adults to act like children. Not immature but in that trustworthy way that, you know what, I'm going to go to my dad and I'm going to ask that. In uh, one parable, there's this guy that continues to wake his neighbor up saying, I got I to gotta have this, I got to have this. And he's knocking on the door. And one of the, the verse says, because of his impudence, which is the idea of boldness mixed with stubbornness, mixed with rudeness. Another place he tells this crazy story about a crooked judge and a widow lady. And the widow lady just kept hammering and hammering and hammering. I've got to have justice. I've got to have justice. And the Bible says, because of her continual coming, the answer was finally given. Oftentimes we just give up too soon. Acts chapter 11 tells about the church praying all night for the release of Peter. It says they prayed all night until the answer was given. They didn't just pray once 
and then just say, well, in the sovereignty of God, I guess it's just God's will that Peter be in prison. They didn't. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed. The apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he prays and prays and prays so much for this particular area of pain in his life. Finally, a message comes down and says, Paul, you got to let this go. I got a bigger and a better plan. And so here's the point that I want you to get today. And don't let go until you absolutely have to let go. Don't stop praying until it's clear God has said, listen, I'm not going to answer that. So here's what the next 21 days needs to be like. For the next 21 days, what we want to have happen is all over Western North Carolina and wherever you're watching from, if it's outside of Western North Carolina, is God's sons and daughters praying for the next 21 days boldly, continuously, God, please fix my marriage. God, please bring my prodigal home. God, I'm asking. I know I asked yesterday. I know I asked the day before, but I'm asking again, would you please do this? Now, I've told you this story before, and I'll just do a quick cliff note version. I prayed for my mom for 25 years. Came to Christ at 17, good home, but not a, not a church-going home. And when all my all of the four boys, when we all came to Christ, we we bonded. We're going to pray for our mom every day for her to come to Christ. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. But after about after about 15, 20 years of praying, and you not see any interest at all, you sort of get you sort of slack off on that. And what flipped it around for me? Again, I was up uh, when we first moved here to Asheville. I got invited to go see uh, Billy Graham up at his house. And we're up there and we're talking and toward the end of it, we had talked about family to ask me, gracious, super gracious human being, amazing man. But at the end, he's like, I want to pray for you. And he prayed. And one of the things he prayed for, he prayed for me and my wife and my boys. And he also prayed, he prayed for my mom to come to Christ. And listen to me, that was the most passionate, theologically correct prayer for a person to come to Christ that I'd ever heard. I mean, it was amazing. And what it did was, is it motivated me. I was like, man, he is praying more passionately for my mom to come to Christ than I have recently. And it motivated me. I still remember going down the mountain, going, calling the, calling the brothers like, man, Billy Graham prayed for her. She doesn't have a chance. And I'll tell you what, it was not a year later when I'm on the phone with her and we ramped up the prayers again. It was not a year later before I'm talking to my mom. I still remember to this day. And she's starting to tell me about all this Bethmore Bible study she's going to. And did I know this was in the book of James? And did I know that? And it was obviously she had had an experience with Jesus that had changed her life. And then it began to be articulated in the years after that. Do not give up. Pray continually. That's the first thing. Last thing would be this, is ask trustingly. Ask trustingly. Look at the text. The text has a like, hey, if a son asks his dad, could I have some bread? No dad's going to say, oh, you want some bread? Well, here's a rock. And then he does a bunch of comparisons. Dad, can I have a fish? Well, here's a snake. Uh, Luke actually does a couple more examples where the son's like, can I have an egg? And he's like, no, you can have a scorpion. I know we don't really think about those. In other words, it'd be like this. It'd be like your son coming up to you if you're a parent. It's like, hey, dad, can I have a Pop-Tart? Hey, mom, can I have a Pop-Tart? No, here's a copperhead. I mean, no, no parent does that. And verse 11 is the whole part. He says, Listen, no decent parent is going to do that, but he says, if you who are evil, now why would he say that, by the way? Because most of us, when we're with our kids, that's like the best part of us, right? I mean, you can be the most miserly, stingy person around, but when you get around your kids, for some of you, your grandkids, man, you're like Mr. Generosity. You're like Mrs. Generosity. Here, I'll do all that. And so even at our best, what he says, compared to God's parenting, he says, then that then we're evil. And so... Uh, Here's one thing that you might think about. Sometimes we actually ask for stones and ask for snakes, and we think 
we think we're asking for uh, bread. We think we're asking for fish. And Tim Keller, a great theologian, he says this, God answers our prayer the way you would answer your prayer if you knew all that God knew. Or another theologian named Garth Brooks, he says, you know, thank, thank God for unanswered prayer. And so in this text, in other words, he's saying when God says no, or when God says wait, you got to know and you have to trust that he's not withholding good from you. He's not withholding good. He proved it when he died. If he died on the cross, that shows you whatever is happening in your life right now. It's not because he lost his love for you. It is not because you were forgotten. The cross is his pledge that whatever he is doing, he is working for your good. That's what Paul said. Paul said in Romans 8, he says, if he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Let me give, uh, I, could, I could spend all the time talking about stories. Uh, I keep them. You guys send emails. You think I don't read them. You don't, I, I, I read every one. And the stories that, the emails that are awesome are the stories about here's what God's done. And I was looking through them this past week. And let me just share a couple of them. And I'll give you the, quick version of them. These are from last year, uh, 21 days of prayer. Uh, one, and, and I just picked three from three different categories. This one is just, I take a snippet of a long one. It said, I've been praying many years for my brother and sister to be sober. I started the 21 days of prayer and both, and at this point it was a few weeks after they said, both of them now are 11 days sober today. Here's another one. I've been praying for one of my old colleagues in names where he was in another state in another place that he used to uh, work. He names the guy's name. It's like we served together. He wasn't a Christ follower. And he says, two weeks after I began praying for him each day by name, he calls me and shares how his life had gotten out of control and he was very depressed. He said, I shared with him about how God had placed him on my heart more than anyone else. And he was the one person I prayed for specifically every single day. And this guy asked him, he asked how he could receive God's forgiveness and help in his life. And this church member's like, I shared the gospel with him on the phone. He asked Christ into his life and then asked for a Bible. Listen, that is not coincidental. That's providential. God, people say, well, no, prayer just changes us. That's only half true. It does change us. But what is said repeatedly is actually changes circumstances. I'll give you one other one. Um, and I'll give you the shorter version as well. This, this person, this lady says, uh, uh, from another state, I was listening to 21 Days of Prayer for about 10 years. My husband and I had basically been roommates and partners working about the business of running a household and raising two kids. We didn't have uh, disagreements, so we didn't argue. We were at church on Sunday and looked like the perfect family, but the love was gone and I felt so trapped and unhappy. I was weary of living a lie. Of course, Satan was telling me I didn't have to live like that and I could have some peace and happiness if I just left him. Many nights I would cry out to God, just restore my marriage. And then I started asking in the 21 days, I began to ask God to forgive me for not being the wife that I should have been. And I prayed fervently for God to help me. Listen to this. I prayed fervently for God to help me to love and honor and cherish my husband. And as you said in your message, I asked God for something huge, something that there would be no doubt in my mind that my prayer was answered. And she said, and I received a miracle from God. I'll give you the short version. That prayer was answered. God has totally changed my heart, and I once again see the man that I fell in love with and married 30 years ago when I look at my husband. 
There are past wounds that still need to heal, but with God's love and mercy and grace, we're going to be okay. And then she ends it this way. We're gonna be better than okay. We're gonna be awesome. Listen, their story can be your story. The names can be changed and the circumstances might vary. Their story can be your story. And so what we're gonna do is for the next 21 days, we're gonna ask God to do a miracle. And here's what I want you to do. That just think for 21 days, I'm asking God to, and you fill in the blank. For 21 days, I'm asking God to, and then you fill in the blank. Again, ask boldly, ask continually, ask like a child. Listen, don't turn God into a genie, all right? God's not a genie, all right? God's not a pinata that we hit and all the candy falls out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is ask him for what you think his will is, what would be for the glory of God, what would be for the good of other people. But you ask, all right? And you ask for 21 days. And so before we pray, let me give you a couple of, we want to encourage that. And so we're going to try to encourage in every way we thought can think of. First one is this, is if you'll just right now, before we pray, you can take your phone out, text, text 21 to 28282. And here's what that's going to do. You text 21 to 28282, you'll get a quick little bounce back. But what that'll do is that'll get you where you're going to get a text at 6.30 each morning, Eastern Standard Time. And it's going to have a quick, like 60 second prayer lesson And then it's going to give you some awesome music and awesome scenery. And then you can pray for that time, all right? So just a prayer prompt. You're going to get a prayer prompt at 6.30. So text that. Second thing we want to do is we look at our phones, by the way, uh, 96 times every day in America. 96 times a day, on average, we look at our phone. So instead of trying to go against the tide, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a wall, you can put a wallpaper on your phone. Go to builtmorechurch.com slash 21 days, and you will be able to look there, and it'll be a wallpaper that will remind you every time you look at your phone. 96 times, can you imagine if you're praying, even if it's a quick little quick little prayer, if it comes up and you got somebody's name on there, and instead of quickly going to Google search or going to your Facebook page, but before you do that, you would actually pray for that one thing you're begging God for. You don't think that'd make a difference? You don't think God would be honored by that? Of course he would. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is we just want to start now. I mean, right where you are, God, I'm asking you to, and you fill in the blank, put the person's name. God, I'm asking you to restore my marriage. God, I'm helping you ask me to break this addiction. God, I'll help you want to get, give me some friends. God, would you help us get pregnant? You, you name what that burden is, all right? Just be raw as you can be. You don't need to share it with anybody. You can if you want to. You can share it with one or two, but you don't have to. God, I'm asking you for 21 days to do this. If it, if, if, since you're watching at home or you're watching somewhere where you can, I would encourage you right now to sort of kind of be making your way to hit, if you physically can, hit your knees. Just hit your knees and begin to think, God, I'm asking you for what? And what we're asking God to do is we're asking God to do what we cannot do. You can call it a miracle, you can call it whatever, but be challenged by the fact there's a text in Matthew 13 that says, and Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The there is Nazareth. The there is his hometown. The one place you would think he would do so much awesome miracles. He says, I can't do it right there because of their unbelief. Here's what I'm, do not let, as we pray for our community, our family, our marriages, our prodigals, our kids, our whatever, our health, our finances, do not let it be said. You know what? God could not do a miracle there because they didn't pray. Because they didn't pray. So right now, hopefully you're on your knees by now. Psalm 50:15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. So right there on your knees, you begin to pray and say, God, I'm asking you for this. And there'll be a song that you'll hear. It's not to be sung really. 
It's actually just to, to help us understand we're coming to an altar to do business with God. And as that is being sung, you pray, it's three or four minutes long, you pray, and then uh, at the end, somebody will come and, and give you the rest, all right? Let's be blessed these 21 days.